Welcome to the Financial Advisors Edge Podcast, a show created by financial advisors for financial advisors. Are you ready for some straight talk about building and growing a financial services practice? Four advisors in different states at different firms that have each built $100 million plus practices from scratch the right way through hard work, doing the right thing, and having fun while doing it. It's time for you to get the edge. Here are your hosts, Brad Warhurt, Jeff Coplin, Jim Martin, and Greg Gonzalez. Today, we're talking about the difference between business owners and people that own jobs. So Greg, the best way I can put this out there is let's imagine you're going to go buy a franchise. And your franchise is going to be in Anytime Fitness. I'm just throwing a name of a franchise out. And all of a sudden, you have a job at Anytime Fitness or you own Anytime Fitness, but you've got to go out and hire people. And would you believe that most of these franchises, ultimately the owner, they're almost always owner-operated, right? And they, they end up having folks that work there 60, 70 hours a week. So what people have done is they've traded in a job at Corporate America, probably where they work in 40 hours a week, for a business they own, but are now working 60 or 70 hours a week. Have you seen advisors do the same thing? I have, Jim. Absolutely. And l- let me share a quick story, if it's okay. I had a client that uh, you know was working like 60 or 70 hours a week. And Jim, you- you'll like this story, I think. And hopefully our listeners will as well. He said, Greg, I want to own my own business. So he went you know, shopping for business, you know, talking to business brokers and saying, you know, what businesses are out there that he can buy and kind of, you know, just hook into, right? And he's the business owner and he runs it. And what he ended up finding out, and he called me one day and he said, Greg, I've just been looking around at these little business offerings that are out there. Some of them were franchises like you talked about. And and he goes, one of them was, he said, I, I just felt like I was buying myself a job. And I said, well, what do you mean? He goes, well, let me give you an example. I was looking at a Mosquito Joe's. Jim, I don't know if you've heard of Mosquito Joe's. I have. But it's, but it's essentially, he said, you you buy the name or you buy your little franchise. They hook you up with a truck and they, they teach you how to mix the chemicals to spray the bugs. And he said, essentially, you're, you're shelling out this money to buy a setup of all of the the bug spraying equipment you're going to need and the chemicals and how to, how to and the equipment I'm sure there's masks or things like that you'll have to wear but you've also got the name behind you and name recognition brand recognition for a lot of people is important so he had Mosquito Joe's and he could advertise in his in his area hey I'm I'm Mosquito Joe is what he'd call himself and and all of a sudden he bought himself a job and I thought man that's like a lot of different financial advisors out there what do you think Jim I agree we're not we're not making this reference to Edward Jones or Morgan Stanley or Merrill Lynch people like obviously you're an employee financial advisor but we're we're making this connection between a lot of independent advisors that have have really bought themselves a job and independent advisors that have a firm and let me give you the, what I think are the differences if the business lives or dies on you you have a job you, you now you you might own a business and have the tax write offs but essentially you've bought yourself a job now if you have systems processes a team and the business would continue after your death you are a business owner you are a firm owner and there is a difference because we meet advisors all the time who come to us and say jim i'm just burnt out i'm working too much 
you know, I, I can never take a vacation. I can't plan my life. And the reason they can't is the business revolves completely around them. And that's really difficult. You know, Greg, we're coming up to hunting season. You going to be in the office every day or in November? Absolutely not. My team knows kind of it's on the calendar. It's been planned a year in advance. November is the month where I, I take a lot of personal time off. Yeah, and, and rightly so, right? And the business is going to hopefully, and as we've kind of worked together as a team throughout the year, the business is going to flow and operate without me being in the office. Clients are going to be served just fine. And, and that was all planned out versus back in the day when it was just me, the solo advisor, I was answering emails and be panicked. Oh, gosh, you know, when I get out of the tree stand, I got to answer these voicemails and return all these voicemails and all this stuff. Again, the business at that point revolved around me. And yeah. that has changed big time. Yeah. And look, we get it. Like you, you founders have a problem, especially financial advisor founders, because we've We've went out and we've built the business and either we've built it through, you know, hard work and grinding and lots of long days and nights, or we've acquired a business along the way, or maybe you inherited one from a family member. But either, no matter where that comes from, you still grinded to get there. And then all of a sudden, you, people end up having this crazy job. And it creates a problem where we have this, this idea that we end up having to delegate. But a lot of people, they, you know, they, they run these high margin businesses and they're really proud of their high margin business. I mean, we, you and I, Greg, have been part of a lot of financial advisor groups and you'll, you'll hear these like, you'll hear these advisors get out and brag that I have a 70% margin. The moment somebody says that, I just know that they, I know they're working on their own. They have no help. They can't delegate. They, they, they don't reinvest in any money back in their business. They're just taking every dime out. They are not business owners. They just have a job in financial services. They're really a 1099 contractor at the end of the day. And sure, they might might have, you know, whatever your name is on a business card, but you're really just a 1099 contractor. Am I missing it or am I on the right track here, Greg? You're spot on. And and then the question becomes, okay, let's call that person Bob. What if something, if the business depends on Bob, what if something happens to Bob? Where business, the, the business is gone, right? The business is gone. I mean, there's, there's nothing left of it. And so <clears throat> versus a business, you know, business B, let's say, that is operated by a team. Let's call it a team of three, four, five, six people that are all working together. They've got defined processes and the service model is spelled out to a T. Everybody's on the same page. If something happens to one of the team members, guess what? The business still, it still functions. It still, you know, works like a well-oiled machine. So again, business versus, you know, you know, a job, I mean, it's clear and the value, therefore, of business number business B versus business A run by Bob. I mean, there's there's just no comparison. When you start to build, you get enterprise value and enterprise value is better than just buying a multiple on revenue of a book of of Bob, because, you know, if your clients are only ever used to talking to you and they're never going to they've never met with a service advisor or you don't have an operations manager or a team, they, they've just bought you. Which is, by the way, that doesn't mean you're not successful. I think this is the other important thing. A lot of times people confuse the idea of, hey, I, I make a lot of money. How dare you say that I just have a job? No, it's okay. Like, it's cool. I think that's a great way to, like, run your life. 
But let's be honest, there is a big difference between running a business, like a successful business, and you you being a 1099 contractor with a part-time employee. It's just a big difference. And then, Greg, you get into this idea where, you know, people, they act like they own a business because they have a, a business partner in their office. They call them their business partners. They share cost on an assistant and on the rent and everything else. And then the assistant has two masters who are used to doing things two different ways. It continues to create confusion in the business. So for buyers, even for your clients, it creates a lot of questions. The other question, Greg, you're too young to get this, but here's what I've been getting. And a lot of it's because I'm getting older, but my beard is getting grayer. People start asking me what my retirement plans are. And, you know, has anybody ever asked you what happens if you die? I've had very few. Now, I, I just turned 37, literally. Rub, rub it in. <laughs> so, but <laughs> but, but I, I do. And I was thinking about this the other day. I have more people say, well, how old are you? You know, kind of thing. And but, you know, these last few years, I, I am starting to look a little bit older and maybe mid-career. But that's the thing. When you've got a team built around you and everybody's on board with the processes, you know, the business lives on. Should something happen to Greg or should something happen to Jim, the business is still alive and well, and those clients are still going to be served. And the the service, the quality of the service and advice and, and planning, it, it, it wasn't like this secret that, that Bob had. You know, it was shared and it was known from, from everything. Like when my grandmother died, she never wrote down her recipes at all. It was kind of like all that went to the grave. It was like, well, be, be oh. damn nice to have all those recipes. I'd love, I'd love to have those uh, cookie recipes. Yeah, yeah. But but when when one person and when everything revolves around that solo I- I- advisor, Bob, it's like, well, how is the same level of, of service going to continue? And whoever buys that practice, or yeah, you can't even call it a practice, whoever buys that book of customers, clients, I mean, how are they ever going to figure out and, and be on the same page as what Bob was doing? Yeah. And, and and I don't think there's, by the way, there's nothing wrong with what Bob is doing. This theoretical, hypothetical Bob that, you know, we all know 50 of him. There, there's actually nothing wrong with it. And I want to make sure we're really clear on this. Like it's completely okay to to do it this way. But don't mistake the fact that you think you, you have this enterprise value business when it's solely built around you. And I would contend that people that ultimately have a support system around them, that they, they serve their clients better and they actually have a better, a better work-life balance as well. Because when they, when they leave the office, they're not always on call. And when they take vacation, They don't have to bring the cell phone with them and respond to client inquiries during that period. You know, for me, I'm having jaw surgery in November. I mean, jaw like they're they're literally gonna like cut my jaw and move it forward, like all this kind of crazy stuff that makes me squeamish talking about it. I'm gonna be out of the office for three to four weeks. I'm not worried. I mean, I hope the market doesn't crash, but my business is gonna keep going on. Like it's gonna survive without me for three or four weeks, not being able to have a conversation with anybody because. My, my jaw's been cut. And I think you've got to ask yourself, can you do the same? And if you can't, think about how do you get to that? Because there will be things that happen in your life that will derail you 
And there will be things that happen along the way that you can't plan or account for. And I think you need to be ready for them. I think so too. Now, now let's talk about your business, for example, Jim. Now your business growth while you're out of the office, just like when I'm sitting in a deer stand in November, maybe the, the business growth might not be there like it was in March and, and April and May and June, right? But because you're out of the office, you're recovering from surgery and that kind of thing. But certainly, the, the you're not worried about the client, your clients, and and that you don't have capable people that are able to serve them and respond to their needs while you're gone, right? Right. Yeah. At this point, I am the I'm the rainmaker in my firm. Now I'm working actively to change that, where I can I can have successful advisors who continue to close business when I'm not the the lead. Uh, rainmaker, if you will, but right now I know so our gro- our growth will be stunted during that period. But with that said, you're exactly right. The conceptual idea is my clients will have advisor points of contact in office. Our our team will be there. It'll be all hands on deck, and I, I have no doubt that they're going to make great decisions and handle the clients well. Now, the important thing for that is it lets the clients know that. Hey, we love Jim or like Jim at least, and and he's still going to be looking out for us, but we're going to be okay without him. Martin Wealth Solutions, my firm, is who they're doing business with, not Jim Martin. Now, that's really powerful if you think about it. My firm starts to have enterprise value at that point, meaning that maybe I get a better multiple when I sell the business in the future if I ever do that. I don't have any plans to do that and no idea to do that. But if I ever sold the business, maybe I get a better multiple because there's staff and continuity. Maybe my team has an ability to stay on afterwards with the new firm because they're used to running it without, you know, just the celebrity advisor where Bob, I mean, if Bob's out, Bob is screwed, right? Right. And, and just imagine if, if Bob got sick. And heaven forbid, and he said, hey, I got to sell, got into an accident. And then his wife had to sell his book of business or book of clients or customers. All of a sudden, while Bob's in the hospital and, you know, in the ER or something, who's going to buy that business? How much would you pay for a business like that versus a business that is just, it runs like a well-oiled machine and it's not dependent on the owner operator's daily involvement you know, running the firm. I mean, it's again, less, right? Like yeah, I'm not, I'm not paying as much for Bob's business as I'm paying for Greg's business, even if they were both the exact same AUM and revenue. No way. Because, and, and I'd say, okay, to Bob's wife, okay, let's call her Judy. Judy, listen, Bob's not even going to give me an introduction to these people. I'm just going to have to cold call these people and say, hey, unfortunately, something happened to Bob. I'm kind of taking over. And they're like, who the hell are you? you know? and for, and well, for the last 20 years, they've only met with Bob. They, they've right. never had Janice call him. And they've never met with, with Mike. And they've never met with Sal. They've never done any of it. They've only met with Bob. And I, I, think that's, I, think that's where, I think that's where people really need to think about what you're building and this idea, this conceptual idea, I think a lot of like independent guys get stuck on this idea of margin. Like, oh, margin is everything. Look, margin's important, guys. Like, uh, Greg and I are completely, we run high margin businesses. Don't get me wrong. Uh, you know, I think that's important, but it's not the only number that matters. The goal is not to extract every penny you can from your business. 
and not reinvest anything back in. Yeah. And we, I think we were talking about this before the podcast, even during the week, Jim. And my thought of, I am so glad my competition in my area wants to run a high margin, low expense. <laughs> they, they invest a, very little money into marketing because it just makes growing a firm as the competition so much easier. Right. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I mean, could you imagine if they fit? I hope they don't listen to the podcast. We're screwed otherwise. Right. <laughs> no, they won't do it. They won't, the, the problem is, look, there are what are we getting? Like, I don't know, like 3000 downloads a week on this thing. We have a ton of people listening, but we know like half of you, you're going to hear it and say, those guys are idiots or yeah, I want to change and I never will. And we know that we just know instinctively procrastination is the, the enemy of success. And you know, people are going to listen to this and procrastinate. But I think there's going to be a couple people that pivot and think, okay, maybe Maybe just maybe I need to reinvest in my firm and build something. So, Greg, let's talk about that. Let's imagine now you've been the high margin guy. You've not invested in, back into your firm. You've tried to pull every nickel out of it. What, what's your first step? How are you going to start to build a business. What are you going to do? Yeah. So, so let's just start with the solo person. You know, obviously you, you want a, an assistant, an operations manager, prob that might be your first hire M might be, but, but you have to, you have to, you, ha you have to have your systems, your processes, they have to be well known by everybody on your team. You can't keep this stuff a secret. That's so, a great point. If you're not there, how are, how are your systems and your processes going to be ever carried out by your team if you're not going to be the one to kind of check on the on the you know checks and balances and all that stuff? Yeah, I mean, you, you, if you don't have workflows, standard operating procedures, a defined when somebody calls in with a check request, we do X, Y, and Z. Th then then you don't have systems and processes. You just have a job. Like you're just going to get it and process it and all the information resides with you. So I think you're dead on. So so you're going to hire an operations manager and then you need to like what? Have a SOP, a standard operating procedure around that, right? Absolutely. And you need to, you know, work with your team and say hey, this this is how we do business. These are our systems, these are our processes and and you might have a little pushback. In other words, if someone's has industry experience, they may say, "Oh, well that's not how we did it at New York Life or that's not how we did it at, you know, it's like we're not at New York Life. We're not at, you know, XYZ Wirehouse. This is, you know, whatever the name of your firm is. This is how we do things here and we all want to you know, have the same systems and processes so we can all follow the same systems and standard operating procedures. So the, the level of service is the same the, you know, whether I, whether I'm completing the duties or, or someone else is on the team. And so, so that's what I would do is to say, okay, what do we, what do we do around here? Um, and put all that in writing and, and and walk your team through it so that when you're gone or if you're gone on vacation or, or whatever, hey, the, the same level of service and operations continue just like you were as if you were there every single day. Oh, yeah. And think about why it's so important, because we hear this. We hear people say this all the time. I don't want to hire anybody because then I've got to train them. Oh, and it's just going to take so much time to train them. I just can't do that. Or my favorite one, I don't want to hire a service advisor because he's going to steal all my clients. 
Are, are you so insecure that you think somebody's going to come in and take your clients? You must be terrible at your freaking job. Like, if you think that's what's going to happen, imagine your level of insecurity as a human being. You get over that. Like, serve your clients well, and they'll never leave you. They're going to miss John, who was servicing them, but they'll stay with Mike, who brought them in, as long as Mike doesn't like go MIA. So I think I think you've got to start with that idea of getting some of these this head trash just thrown away. Focus on the things you can control. Hire people. Delegate. Spend the time to do it because it creates this force multiplier factor. Greg, you you recently you, you started with an operations manager and you recently hired an A player, just an awesome an awesome associate advisor. Has that made your life easier? Oh, it's it's made my life easier. It's made the the business you know better because we we got a we got a rock star that we added to the team. We already have a, an operations manager assistant, and, and the three of us kind of work it as a like in a triangle, and, and that's that's the goal is, you know, whether you talk to A, B or C, you know, I've got all the confidence in the world that, you know, the experience is going to be the exact same and it's going to be quality. I don't have to worry about it. So, yeah, it, it's, it's a huge game changer. So look, I think there's a strategy. I think there's a process you go through. You hire an operations manager, a director of first impressions and an administrative assistant. We call those folks our solutions team at our firm, because that's like, I, I like to tell people when you call them with a problem, this is, these are the people that are going to have the solution for you. And then after that, I think the next natural hire is a service person. But I think people get this out of order. I think a lot of people try to hire a guy that's going to go into production. So they try to replicate themselves and they try to hire an advisor who's going to go out and sell for them. Here, let me give you a newsflash really quick, guys. If you can go out and find yourself, he's not working for you. He's going to go start his own firm or she. It doesn't have to be a guy. I'm just using this, you know. There's no gender specificness here. So they can go anywhere. My point is you you need to find ways you can scale your business and you need to be in this situation where you you can work on the things that you love to work on. If you love doing annual reviews, like if that is your if that's your jam, then cool, maybe you need to find a business development person. But for most advisors I've met who've built successful practices, that's kind of the thing that takes their their juice away. They they get in a situation where that's not as important to them. They'd rather just close business. They get that endorphin dump. Same thing for you, Greg? Absolutely. And I've seen that over and over again. But again, it, it all comes back to you You want to kind of you know find the team members that can play to their strengths. And Jim, you mentioned you've got to be willing to delegate. You can't, you can't hire your first team member and say, well, I, as Bob, I was used to doing all the confirmations and, and this and that. And I, you got to let go. Too, and enable that person to to utilize their strengths to to be awesome. Like yeah, you just got to be a leader. And I know leadership doesn't come natural for a lot of people, but that that's the idea around it is be a leader, be a leader, and be be a practice owner. Build a firm. Don't have a job. And again, that doesn't mean you can't make a ton of money, but that doesn't necessarily make you a success in the business from a from a firm building perspective just means you made a lot of money and you were a good advisor doesn't and by the way that doesn't mean you a better or worse advisor whether you own a firm or that but i would say that the clients are better served so then i think i think it's worth noting you know as you get to a certain point to really add value to your business you're going to need people that can produce as well 
So if you get, and that's kind of where I'm at right now, I'm in a situation where I've got my entire service team, a players, awesome, awesome group of people. I've got an incredible guy who services our clients. We've got a Medicare side of our business that does a great job, but I'm the only guy that closes business. And that's, that's a problem because if I, if, if I'm not closing business, how much does the business grow? Right, Greg? It's, it's all focused on you. So all those new those new prospects, then they come in. If Jim wants to, you know, take four weeks off and go to New Zealand or something, I don't know where he'd like to go, but, or, Sounds or, good. I like New Zealand. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but during that, like you said, your, your, your business growth would kind of be stunted. All those prospects would kind of have to wait, I guess, and, until you return from your vacation. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, that's, that's going to happen when I go do the surgery, the business, I, I've got all my, my funnels aren't going to get closed down. I'll try to spend less money. I, maybe I won't do workshops, of course, but you know, that's a problem. So the, the secondary, after you've built your core business, meaning you've got, you've got a, a built out operation slash solutions team, you have a, a, somebody that's a service advisor. So you, you're not at capacity. And then if you want to continue to scale and grow, you're going to hire somebody that can close business. And that's kind of your next natural position you're going to hire. After you get large enough, you're going to make what I call kind of the the crown jewel hire, the biggest hire of your career. You're going to hire either a COO, a chief operations officer, or a C, a CEO, somebody to run the firm and you just you you just kind of the founder. And and we're not there yet, but I've seen other firms do that. And those are huge hires. They're expensive hires. They're not cheap. We're talking, you know, to get the talent you're going to need, you're going to be spending Hundred seventy-five to $250,000 a year. So most people aren't in that position yet. But th- those are the, the hires you're going to have to make if you want to own a business. And um, I think that's important to recognize as you're thinking about where it is. But I think I think Greg hit the nail on the head earlier. We said you've got to start by the operations manager and having systems and processes. You You made a comment about McDonald's earlier. Can you share that with us? Yeah, when you walk into McDonald's, you know, and, and the person that owns that, you know, that that business, the business owner is not saying, "Yeah, can I take your order?" and and then you you order a Big Mac or whatever it is, and then they say, "Okay, we'll be right back with that." And then they go and make the the Big Mac and get the fries and bag it up for you. <laughs> That's not how it works, right? The the owner, you know, and and the old saying was, I think it's strategic coach that talked about this. Frank Sinatra didn't get paid to move pianos. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that that's the old line. So you, you got to kind of know, you know, what your responsibilities are as the as the business owner or as a team member. So, yeah, I, I think you're I think you're right on. And again, you, you have to figure out what you want out of the career. And I think that's really important. Now, a lot of people this sounds too big. It's too big. And I get that completely. It doesn't have to be what we're talking about. You don't have to go through all these steps. I don't know that I'm ever going to be to the point where I'm going to hire a, a, a CEO to run the firm. I, I just don't think I'm, I have it in me to grow to that level. Now, Greg, you might. That might be something that you, given your age and your, your velocity of growth, that might be something you'll, you'll aspire and get there. I don't think I will at this point. I'm pretty com- comfortable where our AUM is and where our revenue is. But I do want to make sure that when, when I'm not there, the firm continues to grow. And, and I, I feel like I owe it to my team. And, and I, the other thing is, I, I think no matter what age you are, you're going to need help. 
yeah. reinvest some dollars back into the business to scale and grow in an appropriate fashion. And I think it pays huge, huge dividends. Greg, kind of as we wrap up today, that was my final thoughts. But uh, you, what, what do you have? What do you, what do you want to leave the listeners with today? Yeah, I would kind of look at where you're at and and you know, just ask yourself, what, what do you want your business to look like in five years or 10 years? And if you are that solo advisor, or, you know, maybe you're, you know, sharing space or whatever your situation is, because of our listeners, I'm sure, you know, there's people from across different avenues, but look ahead. And, and I, like I said, I, I started out as a solo, never, never had an assistant and it has built and built and built. And it can, you know, Jim, you said something the other day, you know, we're as small, you tell your team all the time, we're as small as we're ever going to be. So we're just going to continue to add a level talent and that's going to make every lives, everybody's lives easier. That's going to make the business more valuable. There's, there's more a level talent, more seats on the bus and, that just means the the service and the exp- the client experience is just that much better. And and I, my last thought is, without a team, the client experience. I mean, don't kid yourself. If you're trying to do everything yourself, it's just there's only so many hours in the day, right? And so if once you you start to build out a team and the business gets more, not only does the business get more valuable, but the client experience. And the client retention, you should start to see that go up and up and up. Client referrals will go up and up and up. And just overall, also the pers- the client perception that you're you're bigger. Oh, you're growing. You know, it's not just you, Bob. You know, and they might think, and I and I've experienced that early in my career. You know, it's it's just Bob. Well, people are used to working with Bob, but they're also in the back of their mind maybe thinking, can can Bob not hire? Does he, is he not doing well enough to, to hire an assistant or an operations manager or a partner? And, it, and you may think, oh, they're not thinking that. Believe me, they're thinking that because I've asked, people have said that to me when I was starting off. So, oh, we've all thought that. I mean, I, I've, I went out and met an accountant once and he lived in like, I didn't live, but he worked in like a small office park in a small office. Do you think I thought to myself, yeah, this CPA's got it made. He's working with, he's working with people like me. Nope. I said, wow, this guy's just barely making it. I don't know about this dude. And I didn't ultimately work with him. Not to say he's not a great guy, but I ultimately didn't work with him because I don't think he had, I don't think he had success. And I want to look, I surround myself with people that are successful. Greg, I I just want to make one last point and we'll wrap up because it was something you said. Uh, Recently, we made a decision to to expand our team. We're going to hire a paraplanner. And our, our, we're going to hire a core parent planner, going to be in that role for a few years. And I was telling my team how excited I was about this and like why I thought this was a great idea. And then somebody on my team kind of caught me to the side, said, Jim, you know, what does this mean for my job? Am I still going to have a job? Oh. And I just laughed to myself like, I don't know how in the world this person got that out of this. And I just looked at her and said, no, you are a valuable part of the team. We are as small today is we're ever going to be. Our goal is to get larger and we're going to need you and more people like you. And it again, it doesn't matter the size of your team. You can run a lean, mean team. You can run a large team, 
but invest in yourself. That's the important part. Guys, I want to I want to thank everybody for listening. Greg, I really want to uh, thank you for your insights. They're always valuable to me. I'm sitting here taking notes. You always have great lines. I love that I love the McDonald's line. Uh, I think it's great. It's a great illustration of delegation. Uh, I also want to announce some changes to the Elite Advisor Lab. We dropped the price to make it more inclusive. So give that a shot. It's less than $100 a month. Our goal is to grow that into one of the largest, best communities out there. And I think that there is a real opportunity. If you think, if you thought about joining the Elite Advisor Lab, that's a that's a community group of advisors who are focused on growing. I mean, hundred less than 100 bucks a month, that's less than a cell phone bill or CrossFit. So give it a shot. That's vfaedge.com. Again, that's vfaedge.com. We're giving it away less than 100 bucks a month. We're building just an incredible community. There is a little bit of an intake form you're going to have to go through. We want to make sure you're the right fit for the community, but check it out, thefaedge.com. Greg, any other thoughts about the changes we're making over there? Yeah, we're running to grow a community. So it's so we we got we got more members, we've got more input, sharing ideas, and the whole the whole thought process, the whole goal behind it was, you know, we want to see other advisors succeed and grow their businesses and get better. And it's, you know, yeah, we can share our ideas, Jim, Brad, myself, but you're going to have, you know, a community of other advisors that that have the same goals. They're looking to get their business to the next level. So the more we can grow the community, the better. Yeah. And I've personally been shocked at like the caliber of people there, how smart they are, how how giving they are of their time of their of their knowledge and that's the reason we're doing this like we're i'd like to say we're the stars of the ell uh the elite advisor lab but but we're we're as members as much as anybody else because there's just so many really good people sharing so check it out thefh.com hey thanks for listening to the financial advisors edge podcast we will be back next week Thanks for listening to the show. Check us out at thefinancialadvisorsedge.com if you want to learn more about us. If you enjoyed the content, make sure to leave us a five-star review and tell your friends about us. The opinions that are expressed in the shows are that of each host only and don't necessarily reflect the opinion of the other hosts. Like the weather, our opinions can change. This podcast isn't intended to provide tax, legal, or investment advice. Always consult with a qualified professional. We cannot guarantee our opinions or forecasts are right. See you next week.